Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio What's going on, everybody? We are back. This is episode 185 of the Dark Windows podcast. My name is Kevin. Uh, guess who I am? I bet he's Kevin. No, I'm not. I'm, um, I'm Kevin. Yeah. So this is, uh, I guess, the first episode of World War III? <laughs> no. No. Close. No, no, no. No, it's not Kevin. Uh, I don't know, man. Because, listen, uh, according to... Uh, no, I shouldn't get into that. Never mind. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Let it rip. According to our president, you know, who I guarantee looked like he was fucking, like, I don't know, out of it and maybe have been a puppet. You know, a fucking, somebody was, a ventriloquist was fucking, like, Jeff you know, Dunham's talking. got his hand up his ass yeah. just making his mouth move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're like, when he asked, was asked the question, you know, why aren't you harder for sanctions and why didn't you do this? It's going to take time, probably a month, before Vladimir Putin feels this, really feels it. Yeah. I'm like, a fucking month? You know who's going to feel it right now? All those fucking Ukrainians that have been air, get, you know, getting hit with airstrikes and uh, like sh- sh- fucking fighting in the streets already. Yeah. Uh, and also the rest of Europe when their fucking gas prices, sorry, petrol prices go up like $3 a gallon because all their shit comes from Russia. Yeah, some of it does. Uh, I mean, quite a, quite a bit of it. Well, we're already seeing it because our our uh, price per barrel is up over a hundred dollars a barrel. Yeah. You know who I feel the worst for out of this whole thing? Fucking Poland. <laughs> you want to know why? Because every time shit kicks off, Poland gets fucked. You know that their president was sitting there just like they did. What? God damn it! <laughs> Things were going okay for a minute. Nah. God I th- damn it! <laughs> And the Finns are just, like, loading their fucking Mosin Nagats and heading to the snow again. <laughs> nah, it's fucking... Nah, I don't think... Uh, Sharpening their skis. I think the Polish are, are, like... Come on. Bring it on. We'll just send fucking Grauman. Fuck they're, you. They're not gonna... They're, they're gonna come to the border, and it's gonna be better than Ukraine, because you're gonna get to the border of Poland, and the Polish are actually gonna go, Yeah, sorry, buds. You're not fucking coming in. Yeah. Not like fucking Ukraine where they're like, come in, comrade. Dude, Ukraine didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> they were, they were, and then everybody's making unwillingly a... entered, I would say. <laughs> no. Everybody, they, they, they left the fucking border wide open. They're like, hey, come on in. Yeah, because they're like, you know, maybe if we don't put people at the border, they'll realize that we don't want to fight them. And then they're like, Russians are like, 
We are going to take the Chernobyl from you. I'm going to take you. They took the Chernobyl. Oh. Why would you take Chernobyl? Landmark? I guess. <laughs> Vacation destination? Sure. I mean, uh, it's, yeah, it's a fucking non-existent fucking place. That, well, it's a place, but like nobody lives there, really. They have nuclear dogs there, though. Maybe that's what they went back in for. Uh, I mean, We're gonna, uh, I, I guess like the radiation's gone down a lot. We have a to lot. adopt the Fallout 4 dogs. Ooh. Yeah. Russian dog meat. Oh, I mean, it was kind uh. of fun to play there when uh, in uh, Call of Duty. Yeah, that's true. That was, it was pretty fun. But anyway. Ferris wheel and all that good stuff. Well, now that we're done talking <laughs> about sad shit, we're going to talk about uh, some more sad shit, actually. Um, because my role of the cube landed us prime. Yay, uh, crime. So today we are going to talk about a guy by the name of Howard Unruh. Howard Barton Unruh was born January 21st in Camden, New Jersey. So he's already off to a bad start. You know? Yeah. Uh, his father was Samuel Shipley, uh, Samuel Shipley Unruh. 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 Uh, makes him sound like a Frenchman. I guess. Henri. Uh, and his mother's name was Frida. Uh, Howard had kind of a weird childhood from the get-go. Um, he didn't walk or speak until he was 16 months old, which is kind of a red flag. By that point in time, you're supposed to be at least mobile-ish and babbling, but he did nothing. He was dead-ass silent other than crying until he was 16 months old. It's... Um, your parent. I mean, if the last they know whether the parents. I mean, if his parents were like, it didn't didn't encourage it, or well, whatever, or they they could have encouraged it, and he just chose like his. You know, everything was like, nah, I don't want to. What something that that's actually a big sign of is potential autism. I know a lot of kids with autism. Well, that yeah, were, I'm not. It, it's different for everybody, but it is one of the signs of a child potentially having autism is them not, um, not like laughing or smiling when they're, when they're young or making any noise. It's one of the, one of the markers they look for, I guess is the way to put it. Hmm. Um, and he also went through quote, a rather prolonged period of toilet training. Um, so I don't know exactly how to take that. Like, What's a fucking prolonged period of toilet training? Is he still like shit in his pants when he's fifteen or something? Uh, you know? I don't know. I mean, going to the bathroom instead of having being a diaper. So I mean, you you know, if you're still in a diaper because you, you know, well, I mean, how, how old are you when you start wiping your own ass? Like five or six? I don't. Know, I still don't wipe my own ass, so I don't know. I just get in the shower. It's easier that way. I was wiping my own ass in five or six. I think I was younger than that. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't. I mean, so I don't know what a, pro, what a prolonged period of toilet training is. I have no clue. He had to use a litter box up until he figured out how to actually poop in the toilet. Possibly. <laughs> He's in there scratching around at it. You go, Howard. Out, stop. Go outside and take a shit. God damn. He's <laughs> just pissing in the sink. <laughs> flush the like he'll flush the toilet, piss in the sink, then wash his if hands. You're gonna take in a the shit, shower. If you're gonna take a shit. Shit outside. <laughs> I've been told that before, actually. Um, I've had some no. pretty uh, some pretty vulgar bowel movements, and I've been told I need to go outside or see a priest. One of the two. <laughs> uh, I've been told. To, oh, I can't. Well, I go to my parents' place. 
I can't shit upstairs. I have to shit downstairs. Unless there's a fucking exorcist there to get rid of whatever you leave, because that is atrocious. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been in the bathroom after you, dude. We lived together. So? What's that? What's, I mean, I don't think my shit You stinks. commit war crimes in the bathroom. You, Of course you don't think your shit stinks. Stop. Your fucking nose doesn't work other than to hold your fucking glasses on. Stop. You know, that's that's just... No, fuck you and your no sense of smell. <laughs> I don't know that shit stinks. Because nothing stinks to you, dick. Uh, that's true. Whatever. Prick. Um, so his parents weren't, like, physically or emotionally abusive to him or his younger brother, uh, James. Um, and, like, considering the timeline, the time that he grew up in, when, <clears throat> when he was going to be punished, he was told to sit in a chair or go to his room. Okay. They didn't lay a hand on him. Which for the twenties and thirties, pretty weird. You know, that was back. You know, like you go fucking smack the shit out of your kids if they don't listen. They didn't do that. Um, Progressive parents. Yeah, well, potentially a little distant, also. Um, <clears throat> oh, I mean, no, that's not unheard of either. Distant in that twenty. Think about twenties and thirties. That's not unheard of. Either. Oh no, I'm I'm not saying that it was. I'm just saying it. Not necessarily progressive, probably more distant than anything. There's like, eh, it's a kid, it's here, whatever. Well, I mean, yes and no, probably. I mean, we, you know, I don't really know their situation. I mean, I can only just, we're only speculating. I mean, it could be, it could be the opposite where they were hands on, always there, you know, didn't have somebody to watch out for them. You know, if they did and they were distant, okay, that's one thing. But like, you know, they were just, you know, more progressive parents where they're like, okay, listen, I don't want to, we we're not going to beat them. We're not going to do anything. We're going to tell them, hey, go to your room or sit in the corner or something. Yeah. Um, But like pretty much anytime his parents would raise their voices to him, he would instantly start crying and fucking run off to wherever. Um, Apparently never threw temper tantrums, temper tantrums, fucking a temper tantrums or anything like that either. He was just kind of quiet and a little weird. Um, one thing we do know is that dad wasn't around much because he worked for the American dredge company. Uh, so he was always off like dredging rivers and lakes and shit like that. Huh. Never knew that there was something like that. I, I don't know if it's, I know they, I know for like, uh, like around docks and shit, they do it a lot for like the bigger, um, yeah, I just never knew there. I knew, I know about dredging, but I just didn't know there was a, you know, American dredging. Company oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's more than one dredging company, but this was just like we got the fucking um, we got American first, yeah, so we got to use. <laughs> they're probably like unionized and shit. Oh, I'm sure they're know. probably all part of the fucking dock workers union with all the stevedores and shit like that. Um, but this wasn't good for the marriage because he was always gone, and he was terrible with fucking money. Uh, so much to the point that his mother divorced him when Howard was nine years old. Um, getting divorced in the thirties, not real common. Um, especially with the woman initiating it. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, so they got divorced and dad split and, uh, mom starts working a, a, you know, a a job obviously to support the kids. Uh, she's working at a fairly low wage job on the production line at a soap factory. Yay. So you gotta do what you gotta do. Right. Right. But Howard did find ways to keep himself busy. He got really into philately, which, ah, you know what that is? Yep. What is it? Stamp collecting. Yes, sir. I, I thought it was going to catch him. I was like, God damn it. Has nothing to do with fucking dogs, Kevin. No. Stamps. Nope. Um, 
And he also got into a hobby that uh, I shared with him when I was a kid, which was model trains. Um, so it's probably more for me than him, hopefully, at this point, because I haven't done and have no plans to do what he's going to do here. So not me. I didn't do it. Um, his other hobby that he really enjoyed was going and reading his Bible over and over, cover to cover. He would go through it a couple of times a week. He would read it that often. Wow. Um, he was uh, very, you know, in, in touch with his, his – uh, I mean, I, I hear from what my brother has said. It's If you don't look at it as a religious standpoint, if you look at it as um, more of a uh, – just a, a real fun read. No, as, as a story. <laughs> if you look at it more as a story, it's actually a good read. Never done it. Couldn't tell you. I mean, I'm not, I haven't. I mean, I've read some of it, and I, I'm, you know, I read Old Testament, one section, and then I read New Testament, new section, and a section, and I got confused because they fucking flip-flopped on creation. Well, I from what I've been told, Old Testament and then, like, Revelation – are the really fun parts. Everything else in the middle, you're like, yeah, okay. Dude had a boat. There was a bush that caught fire. Well, um, I mean. A bunch of Egyptians got AIDS. Well, Revelations was like the fucking dark time. Yeah, that was like the fucking metal album of, of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like fucking shit gets real. I know. And, and There's old monsters and shit. And the Old Testament basically says, okay, hey, listen, um, you got a, you got a daughter. You can beat the fuck out of them. Um, you can own slaves. You can do all this different shit, you know. But, I mean, it's like, it's what the Jewish faith follows right. is the Old Testament. Right. You know, and and then everybody else follows the fucking, you know, New Testament. But what we can do for the first time in 185 episodes on the Dark Windows podcast, we can blame the Lutherans. <laughs> Because he he was uh, he was raised Lutheran, so this is your fault, Martin Luther King Jr. Wasn't Martin Luther King Jr. asshole? Who was it then? His father? No, because Martin Luther King Jr. was I, not. Kev, I, I know. Asshole. I know. Jesus Christ! I know. I was making Martin a joke. Luther. <sighs> I hate this sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> um, so according to. Uh, one of the psychiatrists that he spoke to after his arrest, uh, he was a very isolated and solitary kid, never had friends over to his house, never went over to other friends' houses, um, pretty much just hung out by himself, didn't even really hang out with his younger brother, didn't want much to do with anybody. He was just like, eh, hey, hi, I'm going to my room, see ya. Um, okay. And in high school, he was an, a B to C student. So, you know, it, nothing really sticks out there. Um, Jesus Christ, he's up. is this kid me? For the most part? Yeah, <laughs> like, I was in that range, too, for most of it, but... Um, but we do have a, a snapshot of his... One of his report cards from his senior year, and holy shit, some of these categories are way different than what we would have had. Okay. Um, mental alertness, C. Judgment, B. Cooperation, another B. Health, a C. Courtesy, a B. Initiative, a C. <laughs> Dependability, a B. So, perfectly average when it comes to being dependable. Good job, buddy. Per That's almost... Personal impression, a C. 
fuck? Okay. It's all... Composite. A C. I thought composite was a fucking, like a, a compound. Like, it, it's a composite, you know, it's a plastic polymer, whatever the fuck, composite. But, um, it's I was going to composition? I was going to say notebook, but no, it says composite, yeah. Composition's a notebook, the, the cow notebooks. Um, but yeah, no, no. It's a writing notebook. It's yeah, writing. Well, that's fucking cow ones. They're the black and white cow ones. It could be green and. Those are not real composition notebooks, and you know it. That's no. bullshit with a cardboard cover on it. No, those can those are the same exact. They don't hit the same. What? Well, it's okay. not the same. Okay. It's not the same. Okay. They are fucking trying to be a composition notebook, failing. Okay. Uh, so his his description in the senior yearbook read as such: How is a very quiet fellow, despite his shy demeanor, he has been, he's made a great many friends in the practical arts course. Um, he was also part of the science club at school. And, uh, when you look at him, you can re- you can, you can kind of, you get the feeling like he was a fucking dork. Like, yeah, like big round frame, black glasses, super stiff, like starched shirt, uh, fucking bow tie. He has this long ass neck and a giant forehead and a real goofy haircut. Um, this, he looks like the kind of kid that like the fucking asthmatics and theater kids would have picked on for being a fucking dork. <laughs> Hold on, I'll show you a picture. Uh, different times, man. Dude, no, different times or not. You're going to look at this guy and go, oh, what a fucking nerd. You're almost going to feel bad. Uh, but I'll fix that here shortly. I probably won't feel bad. Nah. No, no, I'm pretty sure I won't feel bad at all you'll feel bad be like if like if you don't know what's about to happen you'll go oh i bet he's a nice kid uh and then i'll change your mind about that well i can look at that thing he looks like dollar general benedict cumberbatch yeah just okay. fucking goofy looking kid man he, um, he looks like i don't know he looks like he uh they could have used they could have used his face like his forehead for the fucking overhead projectors. I don't know. He looks like it looks I don't looks like a normal like he could have been like a fucking popular kid, you know, at in school. Well, to be a popular kid, you have to have a personality that's not that of like a wet paper. Yeah, but I'm saying, but just looking at him though, he does not like. He's a, a normal looking dude, sorta. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's you know probably well liked, you know, and all that good stuff. Not if you just look at the picture. Now l- l- let me change. Know? Let me change your mind on someone. Him. Someone you'd want to take home to to see mom and dad again. I'm going to change your mind about that because when asked what he wanted to do after graduating in his high school yearbook, quote, become a government employee. Fuck this nerd. At that time, fuck this nerd. What time was this? This is like, so he probably, what, by 1940s? He graduated in 1939. Okay. He took up a few different kind of low-paying jobs around the around town um, as a printer's helper and as a stamping press operator, which I want to say that's with sheet metal as a stamping press because you stamp, uh-huh. I, I think. Yep. Um, he would also take a position as a sheet metal worker at the Philadelphia shipyard where he would be inspired to join the Army. <laughs> You know, I see all these all these guys coming off the boat in their crisp white navy uniforms. I'm gonna go join the army. Well, well, <laughs> no, hold on, because at that point in time, 
there was a lot of army men in in the area because they used to take boats, remember? No, but what I'm saying is is he was at the Navy Yard, and he was around a lot of Navy men. And he's like, yeah, that seems like a great idea. Army it is. <laughs> Maybe he got confused. <laughs> That's like... Man, I really, I want, I could go for a fucking cheeseburger. I'm going to Domino's. <laughs> he, he, okay, he was a little touched, okay? Yeah, he was, a, little he bit, was, a little bit. He was a little confused about, you A little know, touched, and we're going to find out just how fucking weird he, he is here. He, he forgot, you know, which He branch. checked the wrong box. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he shows up at basic training, and they give him those fucking nasty brown things, and he's like, but where's my, the, what about the white one and the, the hat? And the ascot. I really like the ascot. This is the army. I, I, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and I'll, Are you sure? Listen, Do you dude, guys go on boat? Do you guys sail on boats all the time? Listen, <laughs> he's he's got a fucking wild card that could have changed this whole thing right quick. And he, he kept it hidden until the very end. Okay. So he ended up joining the army in 1942. Um... Not too long after Pearl Harbor. So it was like the beginning of 42. Uh, and he was not drafted. He joined voluntarily. December. Was it? December. 7th. 7th. 1941. 1942. A day. A date. A woman infamy. So that's actually, you know. What, when did you join? 1942. When? Right after Pearl Harbor. So like, I'm guessing probably like January, February in that neck of the woods. Okay. Um. Like he, a lot of like a lot of other young. Yeah, because they're like, "Fuck these clowns." Yeah, I'm going to join the army. I'm going to go kill a bunch of Japanese guys. Except I'm going to Europe, and they're going to send the fucking Marines. Well, no, I mean to the Pacific. It, Shit. Well, no, they 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 wanted to join because I mean, well, we just got bombed. Okay, so we're gonna go to, you know, this front, and then we're also gonna go to this front. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, both are going to get fucked, you know, both are going to fuck people up, so, you know. Well, unfortunately, our, our, our story here doesn't end with him being killed by Germans. Well, It'd be a sucks. lot better if it did for a lot of people. Um, but he uh, he went through boot camp, came out, no problem. Um, no disciplinary actions, nothing like that in boot camp. He was a fucking model soldier. Like, everybody says that from the get-go. He was good at what he did. He listened to what everybody told him. He didn't give anybody any shit. Good soldier. So after that, he would kind of go from basic into like the specialized training kind of thing, yeah. the very short period during World War II. Um, and he would end up driving an M7 Priest, uh, which if you're not super familiar with it, it's not a tank. It's not a half track. It's a self-propelled artillery vehicle. Um, happens to be a 105 millimeter artillery piece. They're fucking rad. Yeah. Um, it earned the nickname Priest because when the Brits first saw it rolling off the ships, they saw the big machine gun ring where you can stand up in it and it's uh, it's kind of armored in the front. There's a big metal ring at the top where you kind of come over onto your machine gun. Um, and they said it looked like a pulpit in a church, so they nicknamed it the Priest. Mm. Um, just pretty fucking cool. Yep. Um, yep. And this thing saw action everywhere from the Second Battle of El Alamein in North Africa uh, the Pacific onward into the fucking Yom Kippur war in the Middle East, like in Israel. This thing was in action for quite a long time. Um, this particular priest that our turd of the hour would operate just so happened to uh, 
to roll into uh, the Ardan Forest for a little Ooh. thing that'd be known as the Battle of the Bulge. Ooh. A.K.A. not a great fucking time to be an American in France. Yeah, but okay, so this asshole was part of the... Was, he was part of the fucking... Uh, the... Um, Armored Division. What's his fuck that came in and was like, hey, look at me. I just came in and I fucking, you know, I saved everybody. And then fucking. Patton? Yeah. And Patton and, and all the fucking 82nd, well, the 82nd, and the 101st were like, fuck you. We didn't need your help. How, how dare you, sir? George Patton is a fucking goddamn American I don't care. Hero. According to the 101st and 82nd, they were like, just be, listen, fuck Patton and his tanks. It's because. The fucking airborne followed the same mentality that Chesty Puller had. Enemy on all sides, surrounded. We have them right where we want them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you're a goddamn paratrooper, you you don't get to just fucking stroll in in a truck and be like, <laughs> I'm gonna hang out here, and then once we get shot at, I'm going back to the fucking thing and taking a shower. No, you jump out of a perfectly good fucking airplane while motherfuckers are shooting at you yeah. and you land in the woods where motherfuckers are shooting at you. Yeah. And you don't have to, you have no choice as to what's going to happen. You don't even have a choice as to where you're fucking landing. Well, I mean, they kind of walked into the art animal. Because if bit. God farts just right, you land fucking 10 miles away. That's true. You know. But. they With were a still, rifle up your ass on the were, roof they, of a fucking barn. They were still pissed off at, you know, at, at uh, Patton and. You know, yeah, but and... still, he doesn't deserve the kind of hatred you just put on him. Hey, I'm just that man should be on a coin. I'm just putting it out there, man. Just whatever. That's a, it. I'll forgive you. <laughs> so again, by all accounts, Howard was a really good soldier. Um, his higher ups liked him. The guys that he served with liked him up on the front. They did say he's a little weird, um, mostly because when <laughs> surprise, surprise. Right. Well, here's the thing: when they got leave to go back to Paris or whatever. He didn't go out drinking, didn't hang out with the boys. He wasn't out chasing tail. He'd just sit in his hotel or whatever and just read his Bible. The thing that they thought was the weirdest was when he would open up his rations. You had your little pack of smokes. He'd just give them to people. It's like, I don't, I don't smoke. Here you go. Okay. That's like, and they're like, are you, you sure? <laughs> These are like fucking gold. This is like prison. Like, I will trade you to the enemy for cigarettes. And you're just going to give them to me? Okay. Hey, man. You know. Sea rations. Right. So, his section chief, Norman E. Uh, we're going to go with Cone on this one. K-O-E-H-N. Uh, it's the kraut spelling of Cone, I believe. Sure. A, a traffic Cohen. Uh, no, that's Cohen. What? <laughs> I mispronounced it as Cohen. I'm like, no, that's Cone. I was going to say a traffic cone. and th- I'll, I'll leave now. <laughs> you, you walked yourself in circles. Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. Um, so his section chief, Nor- Norman Cohen, said that he had never heard him so much as swear or talk filthy about girls in country or back home. Um, <laughs> one of the things that they found very bizarre that he would do is that uh, after firefights, he would climb out of his vehicle and go and examine the dead Germans, particularly the ones that he had a hand in making into dead Germans. And he would take very, very detailed notes on the bodies, like uh, as to how they landed, 
uh, where they were hit, how much damage was done, stuff like that. You know, red flags. Um, okay. <laughs> he's going into forensics. No, he's he's going into closer to her Baumeister territory, buddy. Um, if if he was if if this was like the father of modern forensics, we wouldn't be doing it in a, tri- a crime episode. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. He did receive some uh, some medals while he was there. Uh, he received the uh, European Theater of Operations Medal, so participation trophy for being in Europe. Okay, yeah. Uh, the Victory Medal for being on the right side of history and killing some Nazis. Yeah. And the Good Conduct Medal for not being a shitbag. Oh, boy. So he got the ones that everybody else got as long as you didn't get killed or you weren't a scumbag. Yeah. So. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Again. Perfectly average. All right. So um, that's what he was going for, though. Perfectly yeah. average. Well, unnoticed. He's about to be above average with things. Well, unfortunately, I'm waiting for this. Uh, so Howard's real difficulty started the same place that a lot of guys coming home from World War II was when he transitioned back home in 1945. Okay. Um, he had some souvenirs with him from his time in Europe. He brought home a few. Uh, a few of the empty 105 millimeter uh, shell casings from his priest. He also found a couple of uh, German 88s, like empty casings that he brought home with him. Okay. And that's interesting. Super cool because what he did with them is he turned them into ashtrays. That's cool. There's, I'll, I'll post some pictures with it. Um, it was a pretty, I guess it was a pretty common thing after World War II. These guys would bring them home and uh, they would just make like fucking arts and crafts with them. Um, hmm. that's kind of cool. Cut down where the fucking primer goes. Make it make it into a fucking, you know, an ashtray. That'd be kind of cool. I'm just trying to pull up a, a picture here real quick. So yeah, that's this is what they would look like. It's like that. Yeah, they're pretty, and, and they they vary obviously depending on you know. Um, like that one's got a fucking. Yeah. Like a ported barrel kind of thing, and it's pre- they're pretty cool. Um, yeah. So he had a bunch of those. Um, uh, I'm assuming a pretty decent case of undiagnosed PTSD from some of the shit that he said, uh, saw, and did. Um, but his they favorite call that thing, shell yeah. Well, battle fatigue at that point. Oh yeah. That's true. Um, Sorry. But his favorite thing to show off was his P08 Luger Parabellum nine millimeter. Well, that's what everybody wanted. Now. There's a couple of different stories as to how he came to acquire said pistol. Um, first, ta- first tale is that he took it off a dead Nazi officer. That's um, where you would get a Luger. Yeah. The other is that he bought it at a hardware store in Pennsylvania. Yes, you used to be able to buy guns at hardware stores. And yes, yep. you still should fucking be able to. Anyway. Um, and he purchased that for $37.50. Holy fuck. Fuck. Which would be around, uh, right, it'd be around $586 today. Um, totally unrelated to the story, but the article that I got that little snippet of information from was written in 2020. <laughs> and at the time of writing, uh, their, their, their number figures for that inflation uh, had it at around $375. So inflation is real. That's sad. That's a that's a very large price difference. Wow. Yeah. So our money is seven dollars. Yeah. Damn. Back man. then that was nothing. 
I know. You could, well, go, buy, you could go buy a fucking Thompson for like 45 bucks at a gas station. They didn't give a fuck, dude. I they know. were still fully automatic. I know. We were born in the wrong generation. We were. We should have been like early 30s and just been like, Mom, I'm getting a job because I'm going to go buy a fucking BAR. <clears throat> what are you going to do with that? I don't know. And it's none of your business because you're my mother and you're a woman and it's the 40s and your opinion doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> um, and if you actually said that to your mother, she'd smack the fuck out of you. Yeah, but I could slap her back because it's the 40s and it's my mom. And I had to take no lip from no bitch. <laughs> I love you, mom. Don't hit me. But then she'd smack you uh, back, and, and then you'd cry, and she'd be like, oh, uh, yeah. let me tell your father, and you'd be like, oh. He comes home with just the fucking belt. Yeah. Good you're, God, the belt. You're fucking dead. He's got a belt in a holster. Just doesn't have to take the other belt off. It's just holstered and ready to roll. Grab it from the, you know, from the end. Buckle is already down, like, at the bottom. Just whoosh, fucking whip it out and hit you in the face with a buckle. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my dad in the forties is an asshole. Yeah. I don't. My my dad wasn't even twinkle in my old <laughs> in my grandfather's eye in the forties, but that's okay. Um, so let's get back on the subject, right? My grandfather, no, I mean he wasn't a twinkle. My 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 dad wasn't. I mean, no, but your grandfather also had a scary ass dead hand that he could beat the shit out of a house with. Well, that happened like about ten years later. Same difference. In Korea. Same difference. You can still buy a fucking Thompson at a, at a grocery store in the 50s. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm going to lean more towards the fact that he bought it because getting your mitts on a Luger in combat was super fucking difficult because everybody wanted them. But he could have. Could have, but. I don't know. I don't I mean, know. If, if he. Well, here's the thing, though. There I was don't know, man. there was two different variations of the Luger used during World War II. Okay. You had the P the P zero eight, which is what he had. Uh-huh. And you also had a P thirty eight. Uh huh. The P zero eight had a longer barrel. Uh huh. The P thirty eight was. I, it was a it was shorter, and it had a, I believe it had a smaller magazine. Um, but these were also the first pistols that kind of really perfected the idea of a striker fired yeah handgun yeah because that's why they were sought after yeah well, well, well give them it yeah. wasn't it wasn't because they people wanted to have a fucking you know a trophy well it was that know, too though well they wanted to have a trophy but they were they wanted it because it was a good fucking pistol right which is also why there were so many people that, you know, were going through the, after their grandfather would die, they'd go through all of his shit, all of his war stuff, and he's got his uniform and all this, and all of a sudden there's a fucking Nazi flag in there. Yeah, because he tore it off the corpse of a dead German and was like, I'm taking this home, because fuck you, and I hope to God he pissed on the guy's eye sockets before he left. Um, pissed on the Germans. Yeah, mm. They're into that shit now, though, so maybe not. Well, see what happens. You ever seen a corpse get an erection? (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Um, So Howard's younger brother, James, had gotten married and uh, and moved off while Howard was off at war. Um, So when he returned home, Howard ended up moving in with his mother uh, in their little two-story house, which was... So it was a three-story building. They owned the second and third stories as their house. The, the floor below that was a store. Yep. Um, that had gone out of business, and eventually we'll, it'll it'll come back into it as to what happens with the building. Um, 
But usually people if they own the store or, or whatever's below we live live the Right. And I I don't think that was the case. I think it was more like they had they owned the building and the bottom floor was rented out as like rented out to a business. Yeah. In this in this situation. Um but their uh, their house is on the corner of River Road and 32nd Street in the neighborhood of Kramer Hill in Camden, New Jersey. Um pretty small little working class area has a lot of uh like just homes and little businesses and stuff like that. Um, not, a, not a real big city feel to it more. I would say more Mayberry than New York city almost, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the next couple years, he just kind of floats around just aimlessly, not doing much of anything. Um, and this is pretty common with people who share something that we're going to get into with him, um, here in a little bit. Uh, but he did make an attempt to go to college using the GI Bill, where he went to Temple University School of Pharmacy in Philadelphia. So this guy's making bad choices. He's going from New Jersey to Philadelphia. This is a bad... But he's trying to go to a Temple, which is a good school. Yeah, that's true. But it's in Philadelphia, <laughs> which... I probably at that time... If you've ever... Been, like, that city sucks now, though. If you've ever been there, it, it it's Never fucking have. terrible. I can't make past judgment on it. It's... I mean, I would go there just because of the historical fact, historical stuff about it. So. I drove there for a cheese for a cheesesteak, and every single person that I, I spoke to there was an asshole. So that's how I judge it. Well, like yeah, they got the Liberty Bell and stuff, but people there fucking suck now. Okay, well, you only you encountered like what five people, so they're all yeah, assholes. and they're all dickheads. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you know that's like that's like saying you come to Vermont and oh everybody was fucking nice. Well, guess what. You're wrong. Not everybody in fucking Vermont is nice. Most people in the Northeast aren't nice. You know, we're a bunch of fucking assholes. A lot of us are. Yeah. Well, wait, hold on. There's different breeds of asshole. Yeah. And you talk about Northeast. You know, the people from Boston are just dickheads. Well, and everybody in the rest of the country is like, yeah, you guys are just, you're you're miserable. You're really short with people. Yeah. Because when you live in a place where it's fucking terrible out six months out of the year, you don't want to hold a conversation with people outside, and then you just bring that inside, where you just don't want to talk to anybody in general, yeah. and fuck you. Or you go to ta- you go to you know if you're from Vermont, you go to places like Massachusetts, where they feel that you know you're when like, you drive take a driver's test, you have to learn how to honk your horn and, and flip people off. Yes. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> so I did you know that like car dealerships in Massachusetts, the the vehicles that they get don't actually have turn signals installed in them. No, they have horns. Yeah, I've never seen a fucking car with Massachusetts plates that actually used their turn signal. No. At least not up here. And I'm going to judge how you guys drive there on how you drive here. Yeah. I mean, if you're... Because you'll do the same thing to me because I go to your state and I drive however the fuck I want. And I justify it by saying out loud to myself, Kevin, what do I say in the vehicle? I'm not from here. And then I proceed to do whatever the fuck I want. Yes, but they still (laughs) flip us off. And honk yeah. their horn, even though we're doing the right fucking thing. Yeah, that's what happened last time we were there. Yeah, that was that was Salem, which was fun. I want to go back to that. Yes. Um. Okay. So he was accepted into the pharmacy school, uh, and dropped out three months later, claiming it was due to quote poor physical condition. Oh. I don't know if that means he was in poor condition or if that means where he was accommodated was in poor physical condition. No fucking clue. Guy is all over the place. Um, probably was him being in poor physical condition. Well, probably, I'm going to guess. I'm going to go on a limb. Poor mental and emotional condition too, probably. probably. Uh, so he did date a girl, uh, for a couple of years from one of his Bible, from his Bible study. Um, but 
after being questioned by a bunch of people, eventually broke it off, telling everybody he had no interest in marriage or having kids. Um, the whole time they were together, he never made any kind of attempt at anything romantic, never bought her flowers, never like, hey, let's go to a movie. Not so much as held fucking hands or a good night kiss. Nothing. So either he is... He is a suave motherfucker. Either he's like the super, like, <laughs> we can't make eye contact until after we're married religious, or he's leading this girl on to be like, listen, we get married and I am going to destroy your spine. Or option three, he's the gay. <laughs> um, see. Again, yeah. So... <laughs> So uh, he he spent a bunch of time decorating his room, uh, his bedroom where he spent most of his time. Uh, he hung a bunch of fucking bayonets up there, like different designs, like cross bayonets. And he'd have them like top to bottom. And his... Oh, I bet you he spent like time. And Listen, if I had as many bayonets as this guy did, I would fucking put them all over the place decorating. Well, because you're weird. I'd have a toilet bayonet that sits in the tank. Shower you bayonet. You would. I know you would. Kitchen bayonet, which... I mean, I already got a, got a couple of those anyway. They're just knives, but you, yeah, you would have a last shitter. Time, last time I checked, you can't mount a fucking nigiri on the end of an AR-15. So you might, you might try. We need to ban Japanese vegetable knives because you can mount them on AR-15s. Duct tape, baby, works well. It's true. Electrical tape works good too, uh-huh. and it doesn't leave residue. True. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, also had a bunch of like frame pictures of uh, of his unit. And like all, and obviously his priest and all that stuff. He's very proud of of what he did over there. Okay, including the weird shit with dead Germans. Um, and he also had a, a couple extra of the empty casings. He hadn't done anything with yet. He's um, getting to it. Okay, right. He's just gotta he's, have. He's gotta. He's gotta take time from yes. not doing anything. Yes, to do it exactly. And sometimes That's... when sometimes when you're busy not doing a goddamn thing for Listen. the better part of three years. It, it takes time. It okay? takes a lot of time it, it, to pull yourself away to do something. And that's effort. And it's a lot like stress. this show. It's a lot of effort. And sometimes you just don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's true. Um, but he still, he was still way into his collecting his stamps and play, you know, playing with his trains. No, you know, play with trains. You set up dioramas and you build a town. It's not playing with a train. Exactly. Play, I... Playing with a model trains what kids do. Yeah. Adults with model trains have a storyline. <laughs> exactly. And I went to a house. Um, that was a customer and a guy, that, the guy that lived there, um, had a full, I mean, a full basement. Uh-huh. <clears throat> that had, that was for his trains. And he had a whole town set up. Uh-huh. And, he Fully had, functional train yard with turntables. Uh-huh. He had a fucking, like, uh, like a loop-de-roop goes around so that, you know, he could get from one level down to another. Yep. Um, I mean, it was fucking, like, fully decked out, you know. It, I mean. It's a, it's a fun thing. It's expensive, but it's fun. I mean, you, you know. know. And that's why I'm super excited that I'm having a son so I can be like, hey. We're gonna get a fucking train set, dude. I mean, I, I hell, I even knew, I even know another customer of, of the company's that um, happens to have a little museum down in his basement that is uh, for Stanley Tools. 
That's fucking cool. Yeah. It's like tape measures, uh, levels, levels. Yeah. Like it's Stanley tools, That's awesome. like stuff. It's, it's a fucking museum. I'm like, Oh my God. So I, I've decided that I need to get the little dude as soon as he's able to you need to get him into like tabletop miniatures so that when he gets older, he'll have a hobby that he loves, but he won't have enough money for drugs because he blows it all on that instead. <laughs> so, nah, he'll find some way for drugs. He'll be the pot, the pot. He'll have the, I mean, I can help him with that. Like, <laughs> yeah, but he won't ask. I, I've smoked weed with my parents before. Yeah, it's fucking awkward, but I've done it. My dad, I had, I had my dad roll me a joint, and it turns out he's actually really good at it. Because, like, I honestly, full disclosure, I thought he was going to use a cigarette machine. I was like, hey, run it through that. He's like, fuck that. He just kind of taps it out. And I was like, motherfucker, I forgot you grew up in the 70s and 80s. (laughs) My mom. He was a pro, but it was very good technique. It was very tightly wound and everything, but there was, like, barely any weed in it. My mom fucking wanted to make a a joint because she wouldn't smoke it. She fucking goes like this. She goes, hands it my dad. My dad fucking... Yeah, but your your mom Done. also got them government issued joints too. <laughs> yes, government rolled. Yeah, she fucking yeah. My dad would fucking roll a joint for her. Fucking choo choo choo. Apparently, from my older brother, according to him, I hear that back in the day when those two first got together, there was a lot of fucking. I would not be fucking pass. surprised. <laughs> I can still see them smoking weed on the back porch, just hanging out. My mom, she fucking smoked enough. She's like, eh. I'm like, I'm bored. She's like, it's either I stop this or I start doing cocaine. You know, (laughs) it wasn't strong enough. She's like, I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, you're not smoking enough. She like took like thought like two hits was fucking good on a bowl. I'm like, of course she fucking like she used to inhale. Dude, they grew up smoking like cheap dirt weed though. Like you had to smoke a shitload of it to get anything. And now you have stuff that'll put you in a fucking coma after a, after a joint. Not her. Oh, Dude, this is the same fucking woman that used to, like, take uh, fentanyl patches that were, like, high-test yeah. patches. Like, high highest prescription you could go, have them on her, and she still had pain. Did I, did I ever tell you we found a fucking bag of those when we first moved in? My mom had fucking, uh, like, th- four boxes full. We were cleaning out in the basement. I found a gallon bag of fentanyl pouches, and I found a gallon bag of the fucking fentanyl lollipops. So he also found another hobby. Okay. Other than his trains and his stamps and his Bible. He built himself a nifty little shooting range in the basement that he would spend hours a day at. I'm jealous. With his Luger. Um The Luger was uh nine mil. Nine mil, right? Yeah. And was this it? lucky oh, motherfucker. Or was it? Or, no, it wasn't a, it wasn't a... it was a nine mil dude, nine millimeter Luger. It's the caliber that most nine millimeters are. That's true. Okay. Yeah. Um Lucky motherfucker was not paying current ammo prices, though, where, you know, you're almost 50 cents around a nine mil, which is completely out of control. Um, but it also was not a great thing with his neighbors. They were not super happy. He had a private gun range in his almost completely un noise protected basement. So and you have to keep in mind, again, this is still a city, so you're pretty close to people. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the neighbors, let's get into that. A lot of them had some really mixed feelings about Howard after he came back. 
Um, they saw him as being kind of strange, stiff, boring. Oh, typical. And he, and he didn't have a lot going on. He was just like, they're like, oh, he's just a fucking weird dude. Because like you could, you see him on the street and you're like, hey, Howard, how are you? And he'd just look, look kind of like look at him and just keep walking. You're like, okay, weirdo. Cool. Um, I get that because I'm kind of the same way where I'm like, eh. little smile and like, hey, uh, I don't, I don't know how to talk to people. I'm going to keep walking. <laughs> um, so Howard started forming a thought in his head that the neighbors have it out for him. He convinced himself that they, uh, they thought he was a mama's boy, that he was leeching off of his mom, um, wasn't doing Whoa. anything to anything to help her. Let's, uh, uh, let's, let's, uh, you know, they, they slow the roll on the fucking mama's boy thing. Okay. Well, there's a difference between being like, no, I love my mom. I do anything for my mom and being like, I love my mother. Cause well, that's okay. like, first off, nobody's fucking, you know, Bates, you know, I mean, well, that's... Uh, we're, I, they, I would think that they were thinking closer to like Ed Gein, mama's boy, like, you know, okay. I love my mom, <laughs> mama's boy. Um, so, well, I mean. They were the same person, the Bates and... Yeah, based off of. We have to do do an episode of that sometime. Not necessarily cover Ed Gein, but be like, hey, this is all the crazy shit that Ed Gein inspired in pop culture. There you go. Yeah. Um, I know. I can... Jesus Christ, there's so many. Two things right now. So many. So many. Um, But also, in his own words, he thought that they thought that he He, thought that they thought that he was a queer. Oh, <gasps> yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. A queer. Why would they think that he thought that they thought that he thought that they thought he was a queer? I'm going to go into paranoid delusions is what I'm thinking. Or is it what they're thinking? I, I think it's what we're all thinking. At this point. But is that what, what he was thinking, though? I don't know, dude. He. Uh, hmm. Who? See, he went down a rabbit hole. Right. Shouldn't have. But so he came to this conclusion because he was, in fact, a closeted homosexual. He just didn't uh, know that he was. Okay. Which at the time, there is no fucking way any gay person was going to be like openly Uh-oh. out and about about it. Because at the time, there was laws on the book that made it illegal to be a gay man. Yeah, you can't. You can't, just yeah. can't be gay. So you guys think you have it bad now? Go back to the 40s where they would have put you in prison for fucking someone you're attracted to. Yeah. You, like your parades. Oh, my God. The fucking riot police would have been there just beating the tassels off of you. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't accepted. And it's it's I have nothing against gay people. I think they're fucking fantastic. There's assholes in every group. But exactly. You know, it, dude, like my my wife. Full disclosure, has got me into watching uh, Queer Eye on Netflix. I fucking love that show. What's Queer Eye for Straight Guy? It's just Queer Eye now, yeah. It's a different crew than the original ones that were were on TV. Oh, um, I didn't know they changed the name. There there is one dude on there that has glorious hair, and he is literally the gayest man that's ever existed, and I want to hang out with him. (laughs) He is fantastic. I mean, uh, but for people that, you know, like, like... you know, compared to you know now and yeah. then, yeah, it's totally to say, different. To say, oh, you're persecuted as you know a homosexual or you know a, you know gay person or trans or whatever. No. Well, first off, a there's no such thing as transsexual back then because that didn't exist. No, you had to stick. You to... were a crossdresser. 
yeah. quote unquote, at no, that point. No, you weren't even a cross dresser. You better not be caught cross dressing, right? Because your ass would probably just be shot again. You know, things were much worse. Yeah, in the past than they are to currently think, think for a that, lot of know, stuff. Yeah, I mean, so people nowadays don't have it as bad as people right back then. You, you know, you could, you know, if you were gay, you had to keep it very, very hush hush. Yeah. Oh my! So we were at my mom's house one night, and she had that on because she's watching it too. And there's a, a tall, super handsome, super gay black dude on that show as well. Okay. Um, and she's like, "Oh my god, look at him dance!" I'm like, "Mom, really?" She goes, "What?" And I'm like, "He's gonna be able to dance." She's like, "Why?" And I'm like, "He's gay and he's black. The only thing that could make him a better dancer is if he was gay, half black, and half Latino." Oh, that's not even fair. True. Not he, fair. He'd be able to do the lambada. That guy could win Dancing with the Stars by himself. <laughs> you know, and it's like, God damn it. Uh, he's, not, oh. he's, and he's good at sports, too. I don't know. He's really tall. He's like 6'4", so I'm sure he's probably, and he's in good shape. He's probably decent mm, at sports. Maybe not. I mean, he, he, he probably was never interested in him. I don't know, dude. He looks like he would have been probably. athletic when he was younger. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not football, just the way he's built, because he's not. He bulky, but he maybe be. a receiver, a, 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 a cornerback or something. Um, I I get more like uh, power forward vibes, <laughs> not power bottom. You know. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, gotcha. That's a good fucking show. That's funny, and like, the, it's based out of like fucking Missouri, where you're like, I didn't know they let gay people live in Missouri. What the fuck's going on here? Huh? Yeah, I didn't. I. I Okay. Yeah. I just don't. Listen, I live in a fucking, like, a little glass cube yeah. box that fucking where it's like I do certain things and I kind of don't vary very yeah. away from those. So it's like if I have to watch that or uh, the real estate cunts, I don't know what the name of the show is. The what? The real estate cunts. That's what I refer to it as, <laughs> uh, where it's a bunch of, like, blondes in California that are completely made of silicone at this point in time selling houses and bitching about their fifty to sixty thousand dollar commissions not being enough and I'm like fuck you eat a plate of dicks your commission is more than I made in a year so and they're only buying houses from you because you have giant fake tits and that's all they're looking at for uh-huh. you know uh, and then they're like oh my god Rebecca you did great and then like 30 seconds later oh fuck what a bitch it's like constant just women it's not even women. It's cunts. It's different. It's completely different. No, it's because men can be cunts too, but it's just the catty bullshit that I'm like. I hate no. everything about this. No, no, no. See, listen. When you work at a place where it's ninety nine, ninety five percent women, I'm gonna tell you this. There's like watching them. It's it's like a fucking art. Okay, it's. It's like uh like okay uh, um you have one of those uh, rooms where you're an observer and you're watching somebody through a glass a theater no 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 what no like a room like okay you're being observed to like see how your behavior and stuff like that like a, a medical theater yeah uh, or are you thinking like a, a no no, no I'm interrogation like, room like behind one way yeah, glass kind of like that oh, like, Jesus but, but you can be observed like like people will, like a psychiatrist or a psychologist will observe like a family. You know, just interacting with each other while, you know, behind a right. glass. They don't really know that they're being observed. Well, they'll, you know, that's kind of like how I felt when I worked at, you know, 
the Vermont Country Store was kind of like that. Like, where looking, I was like, looking at you like you're a piece of meat. No, no, no. I was like the observer, like looking onto them because all of a sudden you would hear, like you'd be like you know hear oh da da da, and then all of a sudden you just hear, she's a fucking bitch. Yeah. I fucking hate her. And yeah. then it's like, it then like the the. The, like the jokes that would it's come out of them. It's almost like all women are fucking crazy. And they got fucking. <laughs> and they have dirtier minds. Oh yeah, they're d- gross. Just dude. as dirty minds yeah. as us. Dude, girl, girls are gross. I mean, yeah. When when they make a glide blush, they're yeah. like, I'm like, holy fuck, yeah. oh my gosh, what the hell just came out of your mouth? Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh my god. So, but so anyway, I mean. In the in the mid forties, you'd become a felon for butt plugging your buddy. That's where we're landing with that. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, the butt plugs led you in the, in the jail. So due to this, he he kept his romantic life off the radar. Fucking obviously. Duh. And he would travel from Phil. He would travel to Philadelphia several times a week, a week to hook up with random dudes. And this is, of course, this is before uh, Tinder or Grinder or fucking. They barely had electricity. So you couldn't just, like, hop on your phone and be like, hey, I want to fuck a dude. I need to find one near me. But not close enough that anybody I know is going to see me fucking a dude. So th- there was an art form to it. They had to, like, yeah, there's some subterfuge going on there. Oh, yeah. Um, there's back channels. Right. And, of course, because he was a weirdo, not for being gay, he kept a really detailed diary about all of his hookups. Um after they arrested him, they found one of the diaries, and in it, it listed some men just by first name, others as quote a man, and he kept kept dates as to when all of these were going on. I bet you he like even like part of it was like how the sex was. I would imagine like they didn't go into much detail about that because again it was the forties, and that was like super fucking taboo. You're like oh, I I that that's like when you don't make eye contact with your wife while you're having sex you're just like oh shit okay we're done night and just go to bed sleep in separate beds yeah fucking dick van dyke style yep um so sometimes there would be anywhere from 3 to 4 on the same day so it's safe to say that Howard was doing some hoe shit in the streets oh so he was the hoe. Yeah, dude, he was he was He was all the hoe. Yeah, selling that man pussy all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Hey baby, you want some?" Yeah. I'm not a prostitute, but I will fuck you for free. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not saying we'll But go- he looks like he would have been the super like really snarky gay dude where if one of us walked by, he'd have been like, "Ew." Just looking at us be like, "Ew." Like, but okay. I, but I bet you by looking dude. at him though, you would think that he was definitely a power bottom no dude that's but he I, really was a power top i don't know i don't know i bet his reach around game is good though <laughs> but no he he would have been the guy that would that would have been super judgmental like some weird dude walking by be like gross oh my god fuck dude you are just i can't even get a gay man to think that i'm semi not bad to look at i know well you but men are, men are more are more uh first off a you have you don't have that problem because you got hit on plenty plenty of times by a certain gay guy that we know. Listen, he hit on me because we were friends forever. And yeah. it was never actually like he didn't want to fuck me. But I, th- <laughs> I think he just like liked to fuck with me because it was fun. Like when you walk up behind somebody when they're at work and they put, you know, you put your hands in their back pocket and you go, hey, Kev, how are you? Like, hey, Eric, what's up, buddy? Yeah. 
a little butterfly kisses on my cheek. I was like, yeah, but hey, he, hey, fella. He, he was funny, though. He was like, fucking hilarious. He, he'd, like... Love that dude. I, I just love, like... Okay, little tangent here. I just love how... This is all fucking tangents. <laughs> I just love how, like, uh, <laughs> hey, guys, if you happen to know them and you see them outside of a certain environment... Yeah. Like, like you, you work, happen to work outside at Outside of con- their comfort zone. Yeah, you, you happen know? to work at a convenience store. Yeah. Like, instead of... Being like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Yeah. Which is not how all gay people talk, obviously. But but in this uh, case, he's accurate. Yeah. Some some are like that. And then they come into their opposite environment. Yep. You know? Kevin, and how are you? Hey, how you doing? Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, how you doing? What's up? Or like the, the guys uh, that the guys that live down here, like we worked the at the gas station. Where they'd they'd come walking across the street and you're holding hands and you're like, Okay, cool. And then they hit the parking lot and they'd separate. Until and they you're like, got dude, to, we we know. Until they we got don't to know care. us, exactly. Until they got to know us, because the first off, they'd be like, like, yeah, I'll take a pack of that, and then <laughs> and all of a sudden, the, the, but then they got to know us, and they were like, so yeah, exactly. We were it's like to go over there tonight. Like, and I okay, was so like, the mask is off. <laughs> we get it, and you guys are fucking excellent anyway. The yeah. only complaint I have is one of you wears fucking sandals. Not, I'm sorry, not sandals. Flip flops with fucking socks. Yeah. Jesus Christ, and that's we not a good look for anybody. We kind of, you know, we're, we didn't have to say, hey, just fucking be yeah. yourself. Yeah. But they were just like, kind of like, oh, of course they'd be like, so Gary. You're is. being weird. Stop it. Just be gay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they'd be like, like, oh, so I, Gary's not coming over. Yeah. I like, all right. Well, we'll call for him. I'm going to get cigarettes. Yeah. going to get the smokes. Okay. <laughs> we're like, oh, uh, my God. Like, dude, I don't, I, again, I don't care who you want to fuck. As long as you're both consenting and of age. Because... That's important. Like you, you don't need to fuck kids because if you fuck kids, you should be fed ankles first into a wood chipper. But I always thought was different was but was lesbians because they never they never had that like dynamic of like you know. But they but they don't have that like like you know alter ego because like some of them wear like uh, wear wear boots and shit and you're like okay. Yeah, but they didn't like talk different. No, I don't. Have you ever listen? They never were more like, hey, what's have going you, on? Have you, you know? ever heard a woman try to use, like, the stereotypical, like, hey, what's up? Like, gay dude voice? <laughs> they can't physically do it. They can't. No? I know a lot of gay women, and they even, they, they cannot do that voice. They I don't know if it's a tone thing or whatever. They can't do it. And they try, and it sounds <laughs> fucking weird. And you're like, that's not even close, dude. Like, I like to think I'm pretty straight. And I do a really good gay voice. I mean, me too. I mean, I, I can go, I can even go like gay southerner, like, hey, y'all, what's up? You know? Cause it's well, because well, some southerners, you know, just sound like, sound like they're all gay. I mean, geez. I can't even pinpoint where it, where it is. It's like, is it South, is it Kentucky? Is it South Carolina? Where the fuck is that from? I don't know. Is it Texas? Like, where, where does that voice come from, y'all? I just, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know where. But I love it. It just happens. I think I think it's from the gay Southern guy and Family Guy. It just oh no! If it just happens, it just it just comes right on out. Hell, listen. It's just poof. Listen, we're we're a uh, poof. <laughs> That's a gay Brit. Um, so we're not pick, we're not picking on gay people. We're gonna no. pick on this particular gay person. Yeah. But not for him being gay. No, for him being no. a fucking piece we, of garbage. But between the both of us, we know a lot of yeah, gay dude. people, and we love. Love every single one. And of again, them. you have assholes in every category. Yeah. It doesn't really I fucking matter. Far. It's like I always said, you know, yeah. people always said, oh, they're you know, getting married. 
you know, oh, we I, don't need to get married. I said, fuck it. Let them get married. Let them be miserable like straight exactly. people. Fuck it. I don't care. Get divorced. Get yeah. you know, married. Get divorced. Whatever. Find out you're being cheated on. I mean, if, if your guys fucking adopt kids, like you can't, obviously can't physically have kids if you're two men because you can't push wieners together no. and have and have a baby make. Well, and two you know. vaginas can't have babies. No, either. but that's more fun to watch, though. It's true. Yeah. But, I mean... Not that I've ever watched gay porn, but lesbians are excellent. But you can still still have... I've never intentionally watched gay porn, but occasionally you click on a thing and you're like, Whoa, hey, that's uh, that's a mustache with a dick in it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was not expecting this. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, Okay, anyway. Uh, That was a tangent. Yeah, it sure was. And some of that's going to have to get cut. So uh, you're going to have a break? Yeah, we're getting there, buddy. Believe me. Um... So, so I'm like, we're an hour in. And- so he had, he, this is, this is all going to be a long in. So they, they found another diary. This would technically be the third one. Um, had nothing to do with his war memories of killing Nazis or the dudes he's hooking up with. This was a list of grievances with the neighbors. Um, most of them were with Maurice Cohen and his family. He's an asshole. Um, Maurice Cohen was the, uh, the pharmacist in town who lived directly next door to the Unruhs. Maurice, he's a dickhead. Yeah. He yells at me all the time. Well, l- l- let me, let me, <laughs> let me explain to you what, what happens here. Okay. The Cohens had made several complaints about Unruh listening to his radio deep into the night with the volume cranked like the douche that he was. The other thing that these inconsiderate people had done was they would allow Howard and his mother to use their back, the gate in their backyard to get access from the road to the houses, um, you know, quicker so they can get off the street and not have to deal with the, you know, the hassle. Uh, the big problem there was that Howard was constantly leaving the gate open and stray dogs would get in and tear up trash and shit all over the yard. Um, what a so dick. after a while, the Cohen's got a little upset. And Howard's mother paid a local hand, handyman to come and install a gate at their house so they could just use theirs. Um, which, I mean, the Coens didn't have to let them have access to it in the first place. They were being neighborly. They are being nice. Um, so I'm going to side with the Coens on this one because I have had, in the past, shitty neighbors that do stuff on your property and make a mess without asking your permission. And then treat you like an asshole when you tell them, stay the fuck off my lawn. Don't just go away. Don't don't come on here anymore. Okay. Knock it off. Mm -hmm. So I think now would probably be a great time to take our break. uh, Whereas we're going to come back and we are going to get into some very upsetting things that are about to happen. Um, So we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Um. So the Coens weren't the only locals that Howard had on his list. The local tailor, Thomas Zagrino, uh, who Howard thought had been spreading rumors about his sexuality because he was convinced that Thomas Zagrino caught him blowing a dude in the alleyway. Thomas Zagrino, <laughs> for the best of his knowledge, never caught him blowing a dude in an alleyway. But Howard convinced himself, this guy fucking caught me sucking a dude off, like behind a trash can, mm-hmm. like a raccoon or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's on my list. Yeah. I don't know if raccoons blow homeless people or not, but whatever. They might. You never know. 
I figured if there's an animal that's going to give you a blowjob behind a dumpster, it's probably a raccoon or a possum. It'll just hiss at you the whole time. I think it's be a possum. Yeah. Uh, Clark Hoover, the barber that had been uh, that spread dirt in a vacant lot behind the Unruh home during a construction project because they were getting ready to build another house there. So you have to spread dirt to level off the land so you can, you know, build a fucking house that's not crooked and shit. Yeah. Um, so he spread a bunch of dirt and packed it down, which uh, apparently during a heavy rainstorm caused Howard's basement to flood, his precious basement. So he's on the list. Uh, John Polarchek, who was the shoemaker who regularly threw trash into the backyard of Howard's house. Highly unlikely. Uh, Dominic Lutella, who once called him a, quote, gun-toting gangster. Whoa. Um, so he made the list for that. For making a comment. Okay. That's the kind of person we're dealing with here. Uh, Carl Sorg, who was a local teenager that had been, quote unquote, stealing electricity from Howard's basement to light the Christmas trees that he sold out of the shop at the bottom of his house. Right. Right before Christmas. Uh-huh. So he, the way Howard would explain yeah. it, was this kid climbed through his basement window and plugged in an extension cord to light up his Christmas trees to sell them. So he was stealing his electricity. Yeah. How much no. electricity does it take to heat, to fucking light up a, a handful of trees? Well, for back then, I mean, they were a little bit different because different light bulbs. But still, it's 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 a fucking. But I guarantee he wasn't going into his basement to do that. Right. I bet it... you it was because he was using his fuse box. Yeah. It, it's a it's no. a laughable amount of electricity either way. Yeah. <laughs> Your bill went up a dollar. Oh my god, Howard. You better, you know, not get a job because you already don't have one, you piece of shit. He could have blown a fuse, yeah, okay? He he blew a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, a fuse had, might have blown and, you know, they're like 25 cents and, you know. Yeah, those add up, especially when, you know, you don't work because you're a fucking lazy bastard. Um, all in all, he would have 10 names on his list uh, and they would all have notes next to him that would read either... Uh, Kill on sight. No, nope. they they read RET WTS, so R E T space WTS, which was retaliate when time suitable, or D N D R, do not delay retaliation. Aha, <sighs> you guys, an asshole. Um, so, so this was a priority list. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. On Monday, September fifth, nineteen forty nine, Howard drove to Philly. Looking for some action at the... Uh, wow. I mean, you got to get some action before you kill somebody. Well, looking, going to the Family Theater in Philadelphia, which was actually a pretty well-known gay hookup spot, despite, mm-hmm. the, <laughs> despite the name. Okay. Um, the night would end with Howard going home, all sad, oh. dick in hand, because he got caught in traffic, and the guy he was hoping to meet <laughs> up with had left because he was hours late. Got- so the dude's like, this motherfucker stood me up. Some I'm going to go home and just, I don't know, fuck this guy. I hate him. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So he got into town and instead of just like, well, I, I, I missed that. He sat through a double feature of uh, I Cheated the Law and The Lady Gambles, which are two movies that were playing that night. Okay. Um, so he then gets home. It's after 3 a.m. He gets home and he finds that his beloved gate has been damaged and vandalized automatically thinks it's those bastard sons of bitch Coens. They got it in for me. 
they they fucking hate me because I'm a gay. They hate me because I have a gate. They hate me because I exist. Fuck these guys. Um, when in truth, it was actually just a totally random act of vandalism carried out by a pack of teenagers because there was other fences and doors and shit that had all been vandalized too. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't see those. He only saw his in decided that it was an act of terrorism that needed to be treated as such. Um, so he went to bed and, uh, well, he's like his revenge. Well, he's laying in bed before he falls asleep. He decides that tomorrow's the day. Um, the next morning, Tuesday, the 6th, uh, 1949, September. Wow. Let me try that again. Tuesday, the 6th of September, 1949. I couldn't have done that more fucking backwards if I read it upside down. Um, Howard got out of bed, had a shit shower and shave, uh, got dressed in his best lightweight suit, and I swear to Christ, a striped bow tie. I've said it before, I will say it again, you cannot trust people that wear fucking bow ties. What's wrong with a bow tie? Sociopaths. Bow ties. Whoa. Relax. Mr. Rogers wasn't a sociopath. Mr. Rogers didn't wear bow ties. Yes, he did. He also wore Converse, so it cancels it out. Which is true. It's very true. Okay. He also had had a pair of house shoes, which canceled it out. He's more trustworthy. Mm, I don't know about He was also a good guy. Yeah, that's true. This one's not. Okay. Um... So he then went uh, went down to the kitchen where his mother had made him a nice breakfast. So he had some uh, uh, toast, eggs, and ham. You know, good good breakfast. Scrambled yeah. eggs, ham, and some toast. Fuck yeah, I can get down with that. Um, then went down to the basement and collected a large section of black pipe that he had tucked away up above the rafters so that if the sword kid had ever come back to try to steal his electricity, he was going to beat him to death with a, with a chunk of fucking lead pipe in his basement. Like a goddamn mafia movie. Okay. Um, then goes back upstairs with the pipe and calls his mom into the other room (laughs) and she steps into the room and sees that she's about to get cranked in the fucking head with a lead pipe. So she screams and bolts, runs to her sister's house, like five, six blocks away. Um, so he's like, okay, well got rid of mom goes back to his bedroom and he gets his prized possession. The Luger. Mm-hmm. He also grabs a second fully loaded magazine. Between the two magazines, he had 16 rounds because they're eight round magazines. <clears throat> he thought better of it, set the pistol back on the bed, cooler heads. Then he loaded another 33 ra- loose rounds into his pants pockets. Uh, 16 is not enough for what he's got planned. Well, uh, that's why he thought stopped and thought about it. So if you are, uh, if you're sensitive to violence, this is probably where you need to stop because uh, <clears throat> it's about to get bad. <clears throat> this guy might be might crack like top five pieces of shit that we've talked about on this show right here. Huh. So his first stop would be the shoe shop. He walks in at around 930, uh, finds John Polarchek kneeling next to his workbench, nailing the sole onto a shoe. Unra walks over, not saying a word. John looks up at him and Howard shoots him in the stomach. And uh, as he's laying there rolling around on the floor, he puts another 9mm round in his head. Then walks next door to the barbershop. Clark Hoover is hard at work cutting the hair of six-year-old Oris Smith, 
who's sitting on a carousel style uh, little hobby horse kind of thing where mm-hmm. they cut the kid's hair. Um, Howard walks in and says, I've got something for you, Clark. Uh, Barbara looks up and Howard shot at him twice, missed on the first one, hit him in the uh, upper chest on the second one. And uh, then he shot the six-year-old kid in the face. Uh, kid had not, he had, wasn't on the list, hadn't done anything to him, didn't owe him money, didn't throw trash in his yard. Witness. Little kid getting his fucking haircut. Witness. Uh, he then turns and walks past the boy's mother who watched him shoot him in the face and she's running screaming to try to pick up her dying son. Um, calmly walks out and, uh, wait a minute. Yeah. She was sitting there reading the paper while her son was getting his hair cut. He shot, he, he shot the boy. He shot a six year old boy. Shoot the mother. Nope. Nope. Shot a six year old boy in the head. Cause he was there. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Um, the mother, <laughs> this, <laughs> this fucking hurt, dude. She picked the boy up and ran out and started chasing a car, screaming, begging for help. Uh, I fucking hate this guy so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, it doesn't get any better than that. So, um, next would be his trip to the Coens. Uh, he approaches their drugstore. Uh, Maurice Cohen steps out of the building having heard the gunfire and was like, what the fuck's going on here? Um, as Howard is coming across the street, he sees the gun in his head and goes, Oh fuck. Today's the day. And he runs back inside. Um, so as he's running in James Hutton, who was an accountant, um, for a lot of the businesses, uh, including also doing taxes for people in town, including Howard under his fucking mom. He was, he was the town accountant. He helped everybody with their shit. Yeah. Um, Howard tries to step past him and he says, excuse me, sir. Uh, trying to you know get past him and Hutton didn't move exactly when he wanted him to. So Howard shot him in the chest. And then as he's falling, shot him in the head, uh, steps over Hutton's corpse and, uh, into the drugstore. Uh, by this point in time, Maurice Cohen has gotten himself upstairs into his apartment and is yelling to his family. Like, we need to get the fuck out of here. We don't have much of a way to get out of here. We need to hide. We need to do something. Um, so his wife, Rose, stuffs their 12-year-old son, Charles, into a closet, then climbs into the closet on the other opposite side of the hallway. Because it was, uh, the way it was set up is you had your main room, you had a closet here, the entrance into the kitchen, and then another closet on the opposite side. So they're on opposite sides of each other. Mm-hmm. Um. Maurice Cohen climbs out onto the roof to try to hide there. Um, And his 63-year-old mother, Minnie, uh, gets up and as quickly as she can, being a 63-year-old woman, goes to the kitchen to get to the, you know, get to the phone. Um, Unruh had gotten upstairs, and when he turned the corner into the apartment, he saw Maurice Cohen on the roof and shot him in the back through the window. Um... This caused him to lose balance, obviously, because he's just been shot in the fucking back and fell off the third story roof. Well, the from the third story, it was the second story roof that he was on, fell off the roof and hit the concrete below and died instantly. So not a fun way to go. Okay. <sighs> first off, buddy, a, it's going to get so much no, worse. No, no, no. Hold on. Let's stop right here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. First off, 
I'm a little pissed off at the sun. Okay. Why are you going to hide on the fucking roof and not staying in to, or getting your mother to fucking safety instead of, instead you're like, eh, fuck you, mom. I'm I, out. I, I don't fully think that he was trying to hide. I think he was trying to get off the roof to try to go get help because he had no other way out because there was a staircase that went up from the store to the apartment and that was it. There's no fire escape, nothing. He had the staircase. So I think he was trying to get onto the roof to try to work himself down to go get help. Yeah, but you make sure your mom is in safety. Where are you going to put her? Somewhere. You well, put your fucking, your your wife and your kid and, you know, got hiding places for them. Put well, place to your mother. <laughs> uh, Jesus. So after, after this man just fell off the fucking roof and died... Um, his wife started whimpering in the closet because she'd heard the gunshots. Pop. Um, Howard fires three times through the door, hit Rose once. Uh, he then opened the door and finished her off with a headshot right there. Bam, right in the fucking closet. Uh, then steps into the kitchen and shot Minnie Cohen in the forehead while she's on the phone with the police. Um, fully satisfied that at this point in time, he's taken the entire Cohen family out. He goes back down to the street. He's thinking maybe the kid's not home. Okay, it's a Tuesday morning. Maybe he's at school, but yeah. He then heads across River Road to the tailor shop, and as he's crossing the road, uh, a driver had slowed down because he saw Maurice Cohen fall off the fucking roof. So this guy slows down to maybe go offer some aid. Um, Howard steps to the driver's side of the car and shot twenty-four-year-old World War II Navy veteran Alvin Day in the head through the window. Uh, so somebody slowing down to try to do the right thing and they, they paid the price for it. Uh, Unruh then turned and saw a group of men outside of the tavern and kind of just takes a couple pot shots at them. Uh, they dive for cover back into the bar. Um, he then caught movement out of the corner of his eye, uh, which was a curtain moving in one of the houses, uh, took aim and fired a single shot at the window. Uh, the round hit. Two-year-old Thomas Hamilton killing him instantly. He then went into the tailor shop looking for Thomas Zagrino, but instead found his 28-year-old wife, Helga, um, and as she begged for her life and cried, he shot her twice in the head. store, which was owned by a guy by the name of Earl Horner, um, who he had no, no issues at all with. Uh, he had always had good, you know, good interactions with him. Until a, uh, a new clerk that had started there gave him hassle about trying to use change for something or not getting the right amount of change back. I don't know. Um, but that was enough for him to go, well, I'm just going to kill everybody there, too, because they, they inconvenienced me that one time. Okay. Uh, thankfully, there had been people outside of the grocery store that heard the gunshots and they ran in. And Earl Horner, being a fairly intelligent man, locked the doors, shut the lights off, and pushed everybody into the back into the storeroom. And then barred the door behind him. Um, so he took a couple shots at the, at the door, figured, whatever, there's nobody in here, so he just kind of keeps going. Uh, he saw a car stopped at a red light and approached it. Uh, 37-year-old Helen Wilson, her uh, 64-year-old mother, uh, Emma Matlack, 
And in between them on the bench seat in the front was uh, Helen's nine-year-old son, John. Fired through the windshield three times, killing, Hem uh, killing Helen and Emma almost instantly. Uh, the third round hit John in the neck. Uh, he would die around 19 hours later from his injuries. Uh, he then went to the dilapidated house that sat behind his, where Madeline Harry lived with her, uh, her two teenage sons, uh, Armand and Leroy, which I, when I first read it, I was like, is it Leroy? Well, it's an A. Leroy? I'm going to go with Leroy. Sounds about right. Um, these people, again, not on this list. Uh, but at this point in time, he's just kind of like, fuck it. Well, I've already started. Why not? Um, walks into the kitchen while they're sitting there eating. Fired three times at Madeline, missing her twice, hitting her in the arm with a third. Uh, her 16-year-old son, Arm, uh, Armand, Arm, Armand, Armand, whatever it is, um, after seeing his fucking mother get shot, decides, fuck this guy, and, uh, jumps at him, trying to tackle him, and, uh, Howard basically pistol, like, pistol slapped him, uh, knocked him down, uh, shot him in both arms, and then, <laughs> as the kid is laying there, Howard puts the gun almost to contact distance to his chest and pulls the trigger, on an empty magazine. So, finally, we're catching a fucking break. Uh, you know, obviously, the kid's been shot fucking twice, but at least he's not dead. Uh, he then turns and walks out, cool as a cucumber, calm, like nothing's going on, like he just went down to get a fucking newspaper. Um, starts fishing around for some ammo in his pockets and comes up empty. But while he was in his pockets, he did find something cool. A neat little thirty-eight caliber round hole in his ass cheek. Um, he had no idea that the guys that he was shooting at at the bar, uh, one of them was Frank Engel, who was the guy that owned the bar, after diving to cover, ran upstairs into his fucking drawer next to his bed, pulled out a thirty-eight revolver, went to the window, and just fucking shot him in the ass. He had no idea he'd been shot. That was a couple minutes prior. So the adrenaline was pumping pretty good there. Um, so he didn't realize that he'd been... Yeah. Unfortunately... Fucking, you know, uh, our, our buddy here was about two and a half feet too low. Uh, or, technically, if he'd come up about six inches and right to the center and just paralyzed this piece of shit, it would have been so much better. Um, so now realizing that he's bleeding and out of ammo, he starts running back home. And uh, also he's hearing police sirens. <sighs> By the time he gets back home, it's 9.45. He did all of this in just about 15 minutes. Um, this this event would become known as the Walk of Death, which, yeah. fucking understandably. Um, so he gets back home and just lays in bed. Just, mm, I'm just going to lay here. Nothing happened. If, I didn't get, if I'm in bed, I didn't do anything, right? Uh, so at this point in time, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 police officers, which would have been the entire... For the most part, the entire Camden Police Department, yeah. minus a couple of detectives that stayed behind at the at the department itself, the rest of them are on this motherfucker. They surround his house. They're setting up barricades. Um, and as all this is going on, Charles Cohen comes out, of, like sneaks out of the closet, and creeps down under the roof and sees his father sprawled dead on the concrete, and starts yelling. He's going to kill us all. Help. So they get this kid off the roof, 
Um, obviously to fucking wherever. So anywhere safer than here at this point in time. Um, and the police start making demands over a bullhorn. And uh, they're like, you need to come out. We're not going to shoot you. Just come out here, and we're going we're gonna to take you in. We'll, ta- you know, we'll go through everything with you. So he starts taking pot shots at him from his bedroom window. The police respond by tearing the wall, the window frame, and the glass itself up with fucking Thompsons. Yeah. Because the cops have fucking Thompsons in 1949. Yep. They ain't fucking around. Nope. Um, unfortunately, none of these fucking rounds hit him. Um, but almost at the exact moment that the gunfire stopped, Howard hears this phone ringing from the kitchen. Runs out and picks up the phone, and on the other end of it is uh, Philip Buxton, who is a reporter for the Camden Evening Courier, which was the fucking newspaper in town. Um, this dude was on it. Like, he had heard, hey, this, there's a fucking maniac shooting people in, in this neighborhood. We think it might be, it might be this unruh fellow. So he grabs a fucking phone book and he's just like, Howard, Howard, uh, uh, Frida, uh, yep, that's her. Okay, cool. And fucking calls this guy. It's like, hey, what, uh, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, um, why'd you shoot the people? This is this is how the conversation goes. This is fucking real strange. Okay. Um, the, the reporter would go on to say that this was the weirdest, the strangest interview he'd ever done. Yeah. Fucking obviously. You're in the middle of talking to a maniac that has just killed everybody in goddamn town, and he's not done yet. So, here he goes. Howard, hello? Philip, is this Howard? Howard, yes, this is Howard. What's the last name of the party you want? Philip, Unruh. And he, he made notes specifically that after he said his last name, he heard he heard the police shooting at him again. <laughs> He's like, yeah, as soon as I said that, I heard fucking gunfire. Um, Howard, who are you and what do you want? Philip, I'm a friend and I want to know uh, I want to know what they're doing to you. Howard, well, they haven't done anything to me yet, but I'm doing plenty to them. Fuck you, you piece of shit. Uh, Philip. How many have you killed? Howard, I don't know yet. I haven't counted them. But it looks like a pretty good score. (sighs) Philip, why are you killing people? Howard, I don't know. I can't answer that yet. I'm too busy. I have to talk to you later. A couple of friends are coming to get me. Um, Howard then hung up the phone. And uh, at this point in time, while he was on the phone, three police officers had climbed onto the roof directly below his window so if he had, like, looked out the window, he could have just fired straight down onto these cops. Um, and one of them was uh, motorcycle cop Edward Jocelyn, who had the fucking, the right frame of mind, and he just starts shit-whipping tear gas grenades into this kid's window. Um, within a couple of seconds, Howard starts yelling, you know, I give up, I'm coming down. Um, and before they would let him leave, they said, where's the gun? And he said, I left it on my desk. So they come down, you know, he comes down and they cuffed him and tossed him in the car. I hope, I'm not a fan of police brutality, but I hope they smashed this guy's balls with a billy club. As soon as he walked through the door, just fucking cracked him in the junk with it. Um, so they get him down to City Hall, where the police station's located. And he gave an interview, uh... And they obviously interrogated him for hours. Um, 
again, very detailed with his description of, uh, of what he had done and why he had done it. And when the court stenographer got done typing everything, it was 66 pages. Wow. So, yeah, he, he, he went hard as to, like, hey, this is what I did. Um, when he was asked what had caused all this, he said that it wasn't any one thing. It was a culmination of, like, a couple of years of things that um, mostly Mr. Cohen had said or done to him, you know. One of the big ones was that when he entered the drugstore to use the phone one day, Cohen said, allegedly, said to a customer, hey, you see that man? He allows his mother to support him. He doesn't do anything to help her. <laughs> um, he detailed the, uh, the people throwing trash in his yard and saying things about him all over town and all these other infractions that he had, whether real or imagined. Yeah, um, mostly imagined. And he told him the last straw was the gate. Like, that was it. Uh-huh. If nobody had fucked with his gate, he wouldn't have done this. Um, he also then told them that while he was in bed that night, he decided that tomorrow's the day I'm going to do this. And he started thinking on how he was going to do it. Um, the only thing he was disappointed with was he forgot his machete that he had ordered from L.L. Bean. He ordered specifically to decapitate Maurice Cohen with. That was the only purpose he had for buying that machete, and he forgot it. Shucks. So he was just wait, he was biding his time, waiting for something to happen. Yeah. And he had it all the planned. The fucking kids doing, you know. Yep. Uh, I mean, he probably was going to do it anyway. He was. He was just know, waiting eventually. for that one last thing to, quote, push him over the edge so that he could justify what he was about to do. Or he was just waiting for different things to align, and then. Yeah. You know, and uh, he decided that, you know, well, that fucking gate did yep, the that trick. That was it. Yep. Done. We're going to kill everybody now. Yeah. And he also told them that he waited specifically until after he had had breakfast. Well, well I mean, you got to have a good breakfast. No, no, it wasn't even that. It was because he knew that by the time he got done with breakfast, it would be right after 9 o'clock when all the stores were open and everybody was where he could find them. So, this gotcha. is all this is all pretty pre-fucking-meditated, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, afterwards, he, after being interrogated, he was taken to uh, the Cooper Hospital. They only took him to the fucking hospital because, well, one of the guys was, invest was interrogating him. He leaned down to tie his shoe and looked under the table and saw a fucking pool of blood dripping off the chair. And he's like, Howard, you okay? And he's like, yeah, I got shot. So, that obviously have to bring him to the fucking hospital. <clears throat> Um, so they treat him for his wounds. Uh, the doctors decided to leave the bullet in because of where it was. It had embedded into his hip right near a, a pretty large nerve cluster, and they weren't confident they could get it out without causing damage. Um, it's really too bad they didn't try and just fucking paralyze him from the waist down. Uh, you know. uh, so while in the hospital, a family member of nine-year-old John Wilson that had died in that hospital earlier that day... Um, went to try to pay Howard a visit. And as soon as he got to the door, the two armed police officers stopped him and, and uh, dragged him away because he started screaming, I'm going to fucking kill him. Yeah. Let me in there. I'm going to kill him. So they dragged him off. Um, unfortunately, sometimes the police doing their, doing the right thing is the wrong thing to do. Exactly. Uh, they should have let this, this guy suffocate this piece of shit with a pillow or whatever he was going to do. He was um, probably just going to strangle him. He would be taken to the Trenton State Hospital for the Insane. Uh, 
where the press was told he would be, quote, interned there for six to eight weeks. Um, at one point in time, Sam Unruh, his father, um, gave a statement to the police and the press, and he said that he thought Howard's uh, time overseas had been a huge factor in what he had decided to do, um, saying that he wasn't the same after he came back from the war. Um, Probably right. He's, he's, honestly, he's definitely right. That's a, a traumatic thing to go through for anybody. Yeah. But, uh, honestly, does that excuse it? No. No. Um, uh-uh. So, this, this statement was kind of, was not really appreciated, uh, because he's trying to justify what his son just did while everybody else in town is planning funerals for family members. Um, and Howard's mother didn't have, she had no idea what had happened because she was so far away, that the, the way she found out was her husband, who she hadn't spoken to in uh, almost 20 years at this point in time, called her sister and said, hey, if, Fre- if Frida's there, I need to talk to her, and told her what was going on, and apparently she screamed once and passed out on the floor. Just, ah! And out she went. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, like that's kind of funny, but you know, at the same time, uh, I like to see, see the humor in it where she's on the phone and she's just like, oh! Ah! <laughs> she fucking passes out with one of those notes. Um, so there's a lot of details as to what went on when he was in the mental institution, but we're not going to go into them. Um, one of the things he said fucking rubbed me like way the wrong way. Um, when asked by one of the doctors why he'd started killing his neighbors, he responded, quote, if I'd had the time and the bullets, I would have killed thousands. <sighs> I fucking hate this guy so much. Um, so, here, here's proof that our justice system is completely fucking flawed and broken. Uh, he was detained in the mental hospital for the rest of his life. Uh, he never served a single fucking day in jail for what he did. Because, like, oh, they're like, oh, he's crazy. No. No, he's not. He planned this. He's not fucking crazy. If he was crazy, he wouldn't have planned what he was doing. You could say, oh, yeah, he's crazy because he killed people that weren't on his list. Great. He planned on doing this still. That's premeditation. That's basis for them to go, you can't plead insanity because you fucking planned it. Insane people can't plan shit in the, ju- in the eyes of the law. If you're criminally insane, it means you just fucking snapped one day and you went, you went loopy. Yeah, but he then, told them more than once, I laid in bed and I thought about what I was going but, to do. But I, I don't know if <clears throat> then the, you know, that whole plea of criminally insane meant the same, like, meant the same as it does now. No, it meant you were a drooling lunatic, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, you were, I mean, you were just fucking nuts, and, you know, you were, you, what you did was fucking, you know, uncalled for. Right. Um, there, there was, <clears throat> there was calls from law enforcement and the families that he should, <clears throat> he should be tried, uh, and he should be treated with the death penalty, because mm-hmm. New Jersey had it at the time. Old Sparky. Yeah, they would have sent him to Sing Sing, and they would have fucking fried his ass. Well, I don't think it would have been Sing Sing then. I think they would have yeah. been right in... You know, somewhere in Jersey. Well, they, they probably... Sing Sing was a federal prison. 
So they probably would have sent him there. And it's, it's not that far away. That's right off of, uh, that's right in New York. Yeah, but I don't think he would have gone to a federal prison, though. I don't know. Either way, they should have killed him. Because um, I think they have their own, you know, I mean, somewhere in there. He'd be, you know, executed right there. Yeah. Um, so the worst part here is that <clears throat> none of the families or victims got any kind of justice. Nothing. No. Nothing. Uh, Howard Unruh would die October 19th, 2009, after a long battle with an illness, which I hope to God was dick cancer, and I hope it was painful. 2009? 2009. He was wow. 88 years old. Wow. <clears throat> so here's a strange fact, okay? This has another connection to a more recent mass shooting event. Charles Cohen, who survived by hiding in a closet when he was 12 years old, would go on to be the grandfather of a girl by the name of Carly Novell. Carly Novell survived the shooting at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, by hiding in a goddamn closet. <laughs> so, somewhere, Grandpa was like, hey kid, get in the fucking closet. Go, quick. Because the cop outside's a fucking pussy and he's not going to do anything. Because he doesn't have a legal right, a uh, legal uh, obligation to go in and protect you. Because he got fired for that, and then he pulled that bullshit and they had to reinstate it. He told him, I don't have a legal obligation to go in to danger to protect people. It was the same shit with the, uh, 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 Maxim Gelman. When we covered him, those two cops that watched him stab the fuck out of that guy on the, on the train, they were like, well, we didn't have any legal obligation to stop him. All we have to do, we all, we waited until he was done, and then we arrested him, which is our job. Yep. Um, yeah, so, yeah, let, let us know if uh, if this guy cracked the top five, because uh, I think he might have. Yeah, I think he may have. The further we go, the, the, the more episodes we do, the guy that we thought was going to be, like, the number one piece of shit that we would ever cover just keeps sliding down that fucking list, man. Like, Israel Keys, I don't think is even top ten anymore. Uh, There's so uh, many worse fucking people that we've talked about. Nah, Israel Keys is still up there. But uh, this guy, like... Israel Keys is fucking... He, he, this guy is right... For me, he's right there with Israel Keys. Fucking same mentality. Uh, honestly, Edward Paisnell is still probably the worst person I've, I've covered on the show. The Beast of Jersey. He didn't kill anybody, but he fucking destroyed so many of those kids' lives. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean... He'll, he'll, he'll be, he's the top one. Yeah, he's scum. So, yeah. if you enjoyed this, yeah. check yourself into a fucking hospital. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Since you've been talking, Thank so, you. uh, yeah, uh, hard transition here, but please do. If, uh, if you're looking for a pair of headphones, earbuds, or Bluetooth speaker, look no further than studio.com. Go over and check them out. Uh, they have it all. Find what you want, put it in your basket, and then go to checkout and put the promo code of DarkWindows15 in to get 15% off your entire purchase. It's a little coupon section. Um, and also, uh, go, you can find us on Facebook. We're Dark Windows Podcast. We're on Facebook. Uh, and you'll find both of us, you know, the two Kevins. You know, you'll be Kev Carlton and I'll be Kevin Hire. So make some friends. Yeah. We've had some awesome conversations lately. Um, and if you want to fucking... Had some fun conversations shitting on the British with a couple of British guys. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, 
any, everybody, you know, if you guys fucking, you know, want to talk to us or whatever, I mean, even me, Jesus Christ, nobody texts me, nobody does anything to me, doesn't private message, no nothing, except for Ben, you know, Ben, Ben and I fucking, you know, we, we chat all the time, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just cool, and, um, but, yeah, also, you can, uh, find us on Twitter, well, via Instagram, yep. at DarkWindowsPod, uh, and I'm on, we're, we're, I'm on, uh, I'm on, uh, Instagram, uh, I'm Speedy802, uh, S-P-E-D-I-E-802. And I am Kevin Sucks at Stuff. There's an underscore between each one of those words. I'm not going to go through it yeah. all. Um, but yeah, we're Twitter and Instagram both at Dark Windows Pod. I said that. Oh, sorry. I wasn't, I'm sorry. My, my brain is like <laughs> fucking... Inside, I'm screaming, and I'm like, I fucking hate this guy. I'm glad he's dead, but I wish I got the chance to do it myself. Also, um, um, thank you, you uh, to our patrons yes. at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash dark windows podcast. Um, five bucks a month gets you four or five, whatever, how many fucking weeks we have in the month. Free episodes. Well, not free. You pay for them, but yeah. they're fun. We get to cut loose a little bit. We don't take it as seriously sometimes, but exactly. it's still fun. And uh, Thanks, Mike. Uh, I'm sorry. Jesus. Thanks, Melissa and Evan. You guys are fucking excellent. I appreciate it. So, yeah. Uh, and, oh, before we go any further. Roll that beautiful cube We footage. got this little cube here. No. We don't. Well, you have to roll it for my next one. Yes. After the, this is yes. going to be in three weeks because yes. in two weeks we are going to be covering a road trip. Yes. We're going to be back on that because we got asked about getting onto that. Yes. Or it might be in four weeks because, I don't know, we might stick on road trip for two weeks. Yeah, might. Just to catch Which a I'm probably, fucking break. Yeah, like probably that. it's going to be, this is probably going to be, you know. Four weeks from now. You know, it's so hard to believe. Like, when we first started this, I was like, I want to do all true crime. Then I cover this guy, and I'm like, I don't want to talk about true crime at all anymore. Unless it's like, I'll do gangsters, because that shit's still fun. Yeah. People like this fucking suck, and I hate this guy so much. All right, so here's uh, four, four weeks from now. You got history. Again? Okay. Well, Jesus Christ. Well, the well, there's not many choices here. It's uh, badass history crime. Uh, because, or cult, because you have cryptid, paranormal, right, you know, I mean, history is also another fucking option, because, you know, there's always something, you know, no, I'm just, I'm just saying that I did that. a, we've done a lot of history, and I'm okay with that, I'm totally fucking okay with yeah, that, yeah, but we're, like, I mean, it's like we're, we're doing a road trip, I mean, there could be a historical, it's like, his, road trip can cover a lot of things, yeah, but road trips are usually been, like, paranormal or cryptid related, yeah, but so, I mean, Okay, so I got history. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. We'll find something. Hi, Dan. Because I, I did hit cult, but I'm like, no, we're not doing we cult. We can't do Because we can't do, you know. Anyway, so yeah. So that's it. That's what he's getting. Oh, my God. And my that's God, what he's going with. Like, what fucking the table here. Hi, Dan. Hi, Danny. So. What's up? With that being said. Just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Read out. <sighs> Goodbye. <laughs>